Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. We've had 35 resurrections of the dead. The closer they are to freshly dead, the easier they are to resurrect. So I see this giant angel and I asked him his name. It's a financial company. And I realized this angel is here for our finances. And that's a true literal story, by the way. These people are charlatans. And it's about time we draw a line in the sand and stop fraternizing with the wolves. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's story time. The women, very, very carefully. As history must be done, this is Wretched Radio. We sure know better than, well, everybody who preceded us, don't we? And that is why so often these days, our current generation have a tendency to cast off everybody who is dead because they aren't as smart as we are. They don't have the technology that we do. They can't tweet as fast as we certainly can. Therefore, they have nothing to teach us. Furthermore, as we have seen as statues come toppling down, we have a tendency to go back and be, well, a little bit selective. As to how we interpret history, we read one foible about any historical character, and we think that they are not worthy to be remembered. And yet, we're failing to remember we need to do history with a better view than just our current lens and filter. Why? Because if every generation that preceded us had something about them that caused them to think or behave in a way that we today tend to find objectionable, then isn't it true that the generations that follow us are going to look back at us and think we are total nincompoops? Why? Because we too have things that inform us. There's no question about it. This goes for Christian and pagan alike. One individual whose head is currently on the chopping block is one that you and I hold near and dear to our hearts. His name, Jonathan Edwards. This brilliant theologian, whether you agree with all of his theology or not, you have got to admit this guy, he weren't dumb. He was brilliant. He became the president of Princeton. He was a pastor. He was a missionary. And he died at a young age. But these days, his memory is being reconsidered because he owned slaves at different points in his life. And of course, these days, that is an automatic disqualifier. And while that may be the case with some individuals, we cannot look at one aspect of any historical figure's life and conclude this or that about them. And that, by the way, is whether we are going to be critical or write a hagiography where we just, oh, everything about them was wonderful, and we overlook what perhaps were deficiencies in their character or worldview or theology. A very helpful article in The American Reformer written by one Corey Higdon. He cites some people who ain't nuts about Jonathan Edwards these days. And by the way, um, one of his critics may or may not surprise you with that in a moment. A critic of Jonathan Edwards recently posted that because of Edwards' views on slavery, the great awakening preacher and herald of the gospel is most likely in hell. Well, then, that's, that's a judgment 
rendered. Edwards' conversion, lifetime of gospel ministry, the fruit of his reliance upon God's saving grace in Christ stood as mere facades of a man clearly lost and now under the full weight of God's eternal wrath and condemnation. Why? Because he wasn't emphatic about his denunciation about slavery. But here are some historical considerations. Edwards' writings do not shed much light on his views of slavery. He didn't record much about the institution, so it makes it a little bit of a challenge to automatically condemn him to an eternity in hell. British novelist L.P. Hartley argued, The past is foreign country. They do things differently there. And that is something that most historians these days tend to forget. It was just plain different. They grew up differently, consumed different foods. They had different news sources. They had different institutions. They had different forms of transportation, communication. Everything about where they lived doesn't exactly resemble the nation we live in today. While his express views on the institution are scant, Edwards did indeed own slaves throughout his life. He did defend the institution to a degree, quote, if they were treated humanely. So he saw this as an institution that could exist if it were done correctly. What is the problem that the Bible has with slavery? It's the man selling and mistreatment clearly forbidden, but an economy that has people that are subjugated to other people that doesn't have a problem with that. It has a problem with abuse and selling human beings as if they are chattel. It is a violation of the Imago Dei. Back to Edwards, he exhorted anyone who owns slaves to abide by the ethics outlined in biblical passages from Old and New Testament reminding his readers of the God-given equality that existed between the owner and the slave. Yet, as he progressed throughout his life, he opposed the slave trade, condemning it, and anyone who used the Bible to support it. That's, a, that's another historical note. That when you go back and study somebody, be careful when you study that individual. Isn't it funny that Augustine or Augustine, depending on whether or not you're from Florida, Catholics love him and reform folks quote him. Why can they both? It depends on when you when you quote him. He progressed. He advanced. He became more sophisticated and wise. So be careful when you study history. If you're going to be fair to any character, you can't just go read that writing or hear that sermon from that time and say, that's everything about the fellow, because it might not be accurate at all. Back to the article. He condemned slavery, those who supported it. Historians have noted Edwards stood as an important transitional figure in the development of abolitionism. Hmm. Several of his students, including his son and Samuel Hopkins, they became leading figures in the abolitionist movement, leaned into Edwards' ethics, which planted the seeds of unique anti-slavery ideology. Oh, well, that changes the picture, doesn't it? While attending the context does not condone the whitewashing of history, it prevents us from playing the role of hangmen. We just can't go back and condemn 
everybody with whom we disagree today. It is a snobbery. Edwards lived during a time of widespread acceptance of slavery. You say that's no excuse. Okay, Um, but we live in an era where there is so much in our culture that is abhorrent to nature, frankly, let alone God. (laughs) It's just abhorrent. And yet we just swim in it. Not resisting it much, not very vocal about all of these things, because it's a persistent call that the the progressive movement constantly heralds. And we just hear it and becomes din and then it becomes background noise and we're cooked in it. And a generation to come might look back at us and say, what was the matter with those people? Can't play hangman. He lived during a different time, but he articulated clear ethics regarding treatment of slaves while calling for the end of the slave trade. Now, that's that's not really a nuance. That's how we study history. This fellow writes the article from the American Reformer. I, for one, wouldn't want the sum of my life or a judgment about my eternal state reduced to a brief snapshot of a moment during my time on earth. God does not deal with us that way. Perhaps we should exercise a bit more caution when dealing with figures from the past, especially those who faithfully profess Christ, clearly articulated the gospel, understood his own depravity, and relied upon Jesus. The second attempt to cancel Jonathan Edwards comes from Jimmy. You want to give it a guess? I, I, I could not begin. Oh, I'll bet you could. If 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 you started to get warmed up, think of <laughs> think of today's famous evangelicals who might not be nuts about sinners in the hands of an angry God. Rick Warren. That's not a bad guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not a bad guess. Beth Moore. Oh, yeah. Okay. That Beth does Moore not surprise does me. not like Jonathan Edwards. Quote for the life of me. I don't get the appeal of Jonathan Edwards, <laughs> specifically, sin is in the hands of an angry God. The particular passage that made her bonkers, God holds you over the pit of hell. Much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. million people saw that tweet. Basically... <laughs> Theologian Moore casting aside Theologian Edwards. Don't know if you've ever listened to Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. For some reason, that particular passage, because it's so vivid, is most often remembered. God holds you above the pit of hell by a spider web. And at any moment, the golden scissors will cut the 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 little line that holds you. I'm paraphrasing the little line that holds you over hell. Is that scary stuff? Oh, yeah, but let me tell you, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Next on Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. 
<laughs> Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I had her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. Recently received an encouraging note from Josh who said, quote, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness to the truth. Well, that theme of faithfulness to the truth, standing firm on God's word, it repeats itself over and over and over again in scripture. Ephesians 6, 14, Paul says, stand firm, therefore having belted your waist with truth. Now, honestly, truth, it, it, it's all we have. We've got to stand for God's word, because if we don't, who will? We are so thankful. We are so grateful for all of you who tune in and listen every day. And we would be honored if you would consider partnering with us to reach the world with the truth and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know you have questions and we do have answers. Just head over to wretched.org slash donate to find all you'll ever need to know about becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania that means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe and now in Africa. Would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. The Gospel of Matthew is an account of the life of Christ written by one of Jesus' disciples. Matthew's Gospel shows Jesus as the promised Messiah, God's anointed King and Savior. When you hear of the Kingdom of Heaven, remember that there is no kingdom without a king. Only those who bow before Jesus will enter His kingdom. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. All of your health and personal care, all of your best schemes, and all of your own righteousness would no better support you and keep you out of hell than a spider's web would stop a falling rock. Oh, man, and he's just getting warmed up, no pun intended. This is Wretched Radio. Imagine most sermons preached in evangelical Christianity on a Sunday morning. As you now hear Jonathan Edwards preach the classic Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, ask yourself, uh, what happened here? <laughs> we used to preach fire and brimstone 
and the gospel. Today, we are so soft in our preaching. Make no mistake about it. Wrathful preaching should not be the end unto itself. It should lead people to the feet of a Savior who desires to save them despite their qualifications for an eternal cabin next to the lake of sulfur. We don't hear preaching like this, and one can't help but wonder, maybe, just maybe, that is why our country has moved from being a nation that was indeed informed more by Christian values to, well, a president who cheers on an eight-year-old boy who thinks he's a girl. Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Maybe, just maybe, we could use a little bit more of this type of preaching these days. If not for the sovereign pleasure of God, even the earth would not put up with you another moment, because you are nothing but a burden to it. The creation is groaning because of you. The creatures of the earth are unwillingly subject to your corruption. The sun does not want to shine on you and give you its light so that you can serve sin and Satan. The earth does not want to produce food so that you can satisfy your lusts. Nor does it want to be a stage on which you act out all of your wickedness. The air does not want to fill your lungs with life while you spend that life serving God's enemies. God's creation is good and was created for man's use in serving God, not for any other purpose. You, though, cause it to groan when you abuse it by making it serve purposes for which it was not designed. The world would spit you out if it were not for the sovereign hand of God who, though having cursed it, gives it hope. The black clouds of God's wrath are hanging directly over your head. They are full of a dreadful storm with its loud thunder, and if it were not for the restraining hand of God, it would immediately burst upon you. For now, the sovereign pleasure of God holds back the rough winds, otherwise they would come with fury, and your destruction would come as a tornado, and you would be blown away like dry chaff. The wrath of God is like great waters that are temporarily dammed up. They keep rising higher and higher until they find an outlet. The longer they have been dammed up, the more rapid and powerful will be their flow once they are let loose. It is true that judgment against your evil works has not been carried out yet, but in the meantime your guilt has been building up, and every day you are storing up for yourself more wrath. The waters are constantly rising and gathering might, and nothing but the mere pleasure of God holds them back. Though they are unwilling to be stopped and are pushing with great force to break free, if God were just to lift his hand from the floodgate, it would immediately fly open and the fiery floods of the fierceness and wrath of God would rush forward with unbelievable fury and would overtake you with unlimited power. Even if your strength were ten thousand times greater than what it is, in fact, if it were ten thousand times greater than the boldest and most powerful devil in all of hell, it would not be able to withstand or endure it. The bow of God's wrath is bent and straining. The arrow is already set on the string, and justice aims it directly at your heart. It is nothing but the mere pleasure of God, an angry God who is not restrained by any promise or obligation that keeps that arrow from being drunk with your blood. This means that all of you whose hearts have never been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit 
and who have never been born again and made new creatures, raised from being dead in sin to a new light and life, all of you are in the hands of an angry God. Though you may have made many changes in your life, or had some religious experiences, or practiced religion in your family, in your private life, or your church, it is only God's mere pleasure that keeps you from being swallowed up in everlasting destruction this very moment. However unconvinced you are now about the truth of what you are hearing, when you die, you will be fully convinced of it. That goes on for 40 minutes and 31 seconds. Relentlessly pounding away on Judgment Day that is prepared for any every single sinner who is outside of Jesus Christ. And I know there are those today who think, well, that's just, oof, it's just a little bit harsh. Is, is it not descriptive of the reality? Are we trying to shield this from people? Are we trying to protect our children from thinking that God might be angry at them lest they find themselves hidden in the cleft of the rock, Jesus Christ? But after 40 minutes and 31 seconds of a relentless drubbing, make no mistake about it, Jonathan Edwards also gets to the gospel. You now have an extraordinary opportunity. This day, Christ has thrown the door of mercy wide open and stands calling and crying with a loud voice to poor sinners. Many are flocking to him and pressing into his kingdom. They are coming daily from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Many who until very recently in the same miserable condition that you are in, now are happy, their hearts filled with love for him who has loved them and washed them from their sins in his own blood. They are rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. How terrible it would be to be left behind in such a day, to see others feasting while you are grieving and perishing. How awful it would be to see so many people rejoicing and singing with joy from their hearts while you can do nothing but mourn and feel sorrow in your heart, and cry, because your spirit is so afflicted. How can you rest for one moment if you are now in that condition? Are not your souls as valuable as the souls of the people at Suffield, where they are flocking every day to Christ? Are there not many here who have lived long in this world, but still are not born again? They are aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. All they have done for themselves since they were born is store up wrath for the coming day. Older men, you especially are in extreme danger. The guilt and hardness of your hearts are extremely great. Have you not noticed how often people of your years are passed over and left behind during this present wonderful time of God's mercy? You need to consider yourselves and thoroughly awaken out of your sleep. You cannot bear the fierceness of the infinite God. As for you young men and young women... Will you neglect this precious time you are now enjoying, when so many others your age are renouncing their youthful sins and flocking to Christ? You especially have an extraordinary opportunity, but if you neglect it, you will soon be like the other young people who spent all their precious days of youth in sin and have now gone to that dreadful place full of blindness and hardness. As for you children who are unconverted, do you not know that you are going to hell to bear the dreadful wrath of God? who is now angry with you every day and every night? Will you be content to be the children of the devil when so many other children in the land are being converted? 
and becoming the holy and happy children of the King of Kings? Now let everyone who is still without Christ, and hanging over the pit of hell, whether old men or women, middle-aged people, young people or children, answer to the loud calls of God's word and providence. This acceptable year of the Lord, a time of such great blessing to some, will surely be a day of remarkable vengeance to others. People's hearts become hard and their guilt increases if they neglect their souls. In such a day as this, never was there such danger of people being given to hardness of heart and blindness of mind. God now seems to be quickly gathering in His elect in all parts of the land, and probably the majority of adults who will ever be saved will be brought in shortly. It will be like the great outpouring of the Spirit upon the Jews in the days of the apostles. The elect will obtain salvation, and the rest will be blinded. If the latter is true of you, you will eternally curse this day, as well as the day you were born. You have seen this great outpouring of God's Spirit, but will wish you had died and gone to hell before you had seen it. Now especially, as in the days of John the Baptist, the axe is laid at the roots of the trees, so that every tree that does not bring forth good fruit will be cut down and cast into the fire. Therefore, let everyone who is without Christ now wake up and flee from the wrath to come. The wrath of Almighty God is now, without a doubt, hanging over a great part of this congregation. Let everyone flee from Sodom. Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. It does us well to hear preaching like this on occasion. Not a constant diet that would likely drive you to despair, but to be reminded of the wrath of God so that we can savor the sweetness of salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio. It's time for Wretched News on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. And first up, a pro-life center in Minnesota was attacked and vandalized over the weekend. Now, call me crazy, but it seems awfully coincidental because it just so happened to coincide with the big major Planned Parenthood event. It's almost like somebody was trying to send a message. But come on, let's be honest. Attacking a pro-life center, it's kind of like kicking a puppy. It's just not cool. Speaking of not cool, did you hear about the little girl who joined a drag queen on stage over the weekend for an all-ages drag show? Yeah, it, it, there's nothing that can be any more cringeworthy, especially with all of the moms who happen to be surrounding the event screaming in joy, it seemed like. They thought it was cute, but exploitation of a minor is not cute. But I do have good news if you're looking to collect another gender because it's you got to be collecting them. It's like trading Pokemon cards right now. So try gender and the way you identify in it can be very heavily based on your culture and your cultural background. For example, I know in Hawaiian culture, um, there are three genders. There's a third gender. Uh, I forget what it's called. I'm sorry, but... You forget what it's called because it doesn't exist. So, yeah, um... I can't keep up or keep track. I don't know how many genders that is exactly that we've made up and created right now. But again, it's like collecting Pokemon cards just when you thought it couldn't get any more confusing. 
And in other news, it seems as though the Biden administration, well, it doesn't seem as though we already knew this, but they are continuing their war on pro-life Americans. Kareem Jean-Pierre recently called pro-life advocates extremists because they want to save the lives of unborn babies from abortions. If that's what you call an extremist, someone who wants to protect innocent lives, I guess you can call me extreme. But Republicans do seem to be fighting back. They're pushing a bill right now that would prevent Biden from funding abortion travel for members of the military. So that seems positive at the moment, as well as Walgreens backing off and deciding not to sell the abortion pill in 21 states after they were threatened with lawsuits by Republican lawmakers. Small victory, but we'll take what we can get at the moment. Oh, and I almost missed it. I almost forgot I had another news story on Miss Kareem Jean-Pierre. But I'm going to let her tell it. Right now, you have a governor from Tennessee decided to go after drag shows. What sense does that make, to go after drag shows? At your White House press secretary, wondering what sense it makes for lawmakers to try to prevent perverted adults from being in drag and dancing sexually and provocatively in front of minors. Makes no sense to her. You know, I think there's a lot that probably doesn't make sense to Miss John Pierre. That's your Wretched News. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the art and science of interpreting Scripture. One key principle of hermeneutics is the analogy of Scripture. If God is consistent and the Bible is God's Word, then the Bible is consistent. We can then use Scripture to interpret Scripture, understanding less clear verses in light of clear verses. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't you worry. We've got your back. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, you like the tens and tens of people listening to this Wretched Radio program, no doubt seeking a church that preaches a little bit like Jonathan Edwards. Absolutely. (laughs) I got one for you right here. And Uh if you're lucky and pretty good at playing hoops, you might just win $25,000 in a shootout at every Sunday service in March. Oh. It's March Gladness. So grab your free shootout ticket in the atrium at this seeker-sensitive church, and you might win $25,000 at church. This, to me, this trend, please, could somebody just put an end to it somehow an edict, some some sort of executive order that states, no, 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 stop insulting people. You're basically trying to get people to come to church, even though they probably don't want to. Motivated by covetousness, a desire for money. So we're just taking a billows to their idolatry and encouraging them to come and sell their worldview for a paltry $25,000. Now, I know that's a lot of money, but what's a worldview worth? We're saying to people, hey, look, you're into mindfulness, but for $25,000, we'll bring you into our worldview. You want to sell out? That's what this is. And by the way, Jimmy, Uh make no mistake about it. There are a couple of rules involved with this March madness. Indeed. You got to give 10% back. The (laughs) following. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Maybe that's in the finer print, but here's some of the fine print. 
The following classes of people shall not be eligible to participate. Here it is. Current or former professional or semi-professional basketball players or coaches who have played or coached at that level anywhere in the world. <laughs> Current or former college or Olympic basketball players or coaches who have played or coached at that level anywhere in the world. Current or former high school basketball <laughs> players or coaches who have played or coached at that level anywhere in the world within the past five years. Children who have ever had a ball and thrown it cannot participate in our $25,000. Cross your fingers. We sure hope nobody hits one because it's a bait and switch. Uh. Let's continue to talk history, uh, shall we? This is, all right, let's do it this way. Let me, let me just. Let me just set you up for the same gotcha that I experienced. <laughs> How's about that Thomas Jefferson taking a, a scissors to his Bible to cut out all the miracles of Jesus? Oh, that pagan. Clearly, he hated the Bible. Have you ever heard that story? I know that I have. Jimmy, is that your understanding of Thomas Jefferson's attitude toward the Bible? It is. This from American Thinker. The Jefferson Bible hoax. Huh. Basically, the hoax is this. Thomas Jefferson was irreligious. He dismissed the divinity of Jesus. He hated the idea of miracles. So he took a Bible, cut out all the miracles, and pasted the new pages together to create his own Bible and named it the Jefferson Bible. But that might not be the real story. Again, this is from American Thinker, a reminder History, got to tell you, mm, it can be twisted, it can be bent, it can be used. And it is only the good historian that can catch these things. And this doesn't mean that we shouldn't ever hear somebody's lecture on history. But note, when you're hearing an, an historical lecture, you're hearing a gleaning of the gleanings of people who captured some of history at a particular point with a particular perspective. It's not that there's no value in it. Certainly there is. It just means we got to do better than most people when it comes to studying history. We've got to know a little bit more than just a bumper sticker phrase like Thomas Jefferson Bible, he hated Jesus. Hold on. Here's another take. During his presidency, which was from 1801 to 1809, he dealt with a variety of national issues that required a moral perspective on governing. This put in his mind a desire to assemble some kind of digested philosophy of the moral teachings of Jesus. Huh. After retiring from the presidency in 1809, do I remember this correctly? Was it maybe like 18? Jimmy, would you be so kind? I, I'm, I'm recalling this, I think, that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, who were enemies when they were in politics, ended up dying on the same day. And I want to say it was July 4th, maybe 1816. Would you check and see if I've got that historic? They hated each other, and then they ended up becoming pals. In other words, think of it this way. Adams and Jefferson were a lot like The Rock and John Cena. They started out pretty rough, but then... They became buddies. You're welcome for that. After retiring from the presidency in 1809, Jefferson decided to take some time to work on this project. As a part of this effort, he also looked at several other philosophers of the ages. Pythagoras, Aristides, Cato, Socrates, Plato, 
and dozens of others, but he came back to the teaching of Jesus as the most sublime. In 1820, he finally completed his work and called it The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this isn't to suggest he was or wasn't a believer. This is to potentially debunk the hoax that he was just cutting the miracles out because he didn't believe in the divinity of Jesus. Atheists love this story. It was a compilation of 50 moral teachings of Jesus, and it was bound in leather and made in such a size that it could be carried around in a pocket, thereby making it always accessible. Notably, he never called it the Jefferson Bible. Jimmy, what day did they die? July 4th, 1826. Ah. Ah. Both died that day. What? What's a what's a decade here or there? Yeah, they they actually became writing pals after the fire had gone out a little bit. For generations, America benefited from Jefferson's compilation of Jesus' moral teachings. In fact, in 1902, it was felt that there was so much corruption in the federal government. Remember that there was much corruption in the federal government in 1902. <laughs> It was felt there was so much corruption that Congress commissioned a printing of 9,000 copies of Thomas Jefferson's The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth at government expense to be distributed to every U.S. senator, U.S. representative, and all their staff. In other words, all these professing Christians weren't acting like it. Hmm. But, Jimmy, I thought that if... Somehow Christianity were informing government decisions, there would be no corruption or problems. It shouldn't be. Huh. So much for the modern dogma of separation of church and state, where government can have no connection to anything religious, writes this author. That was created by the Supreme Court in 1947 by the Chief Justice Hugo Black and the rest of the justices. But that's for another time. For the next 50 years, 1905 to 52, a copy of The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth was given to every U.S. senator and U.S. representative at his or her swearing-in. Huh? That's interesting. That doesn't sound like the tale that Dan Barker has told a million times. Here are some other historical facts about Thomas Jefferson. He financially contributed to societies that distributed the full Bible. You know, you know what that tells me, Jimmy? If he were alive today, mm -hmm. he'd be supporting... The Master's Academy International desired oh. to get 10,000 MacArthur Study Bibles to the Philippines. But he's not here. But you are. So if you would like to get MacArthur Study Bibles into the hands of believers in the Philippines, y'all, we're getting really close. We're really, we're getting close on this thing. And we want to get these printed. And we want to get them printed with special covers. Otherwise, they warp and they just they don't last long. These are going to be quality Bibles that will last for generations in the Philippines, in churches where the Bible is being preached by guys who were trained at the Master's Academy International. You can learn more at wretched.org. I'm sure Jefferson would have supported it. Now, I don't know if that was a good endorsement or not, but the point is he sent Bibles. He owned a number of complete Bibles that he personally used and regularly studied. He financially supported the printing of new editions of the whole Bible, was a member of the Virginia Bible Society, gave unedited Bibles to family members, openly used the full Bible in educational institutions that he helped to start or direct, including Washington's public schools and the University of Virginia. 
approved and attended church services in the U.S. Capitol building. Jefferson even said to Dr. Benjamin Rush, a co-signer of the Declaration, my views are very different from that anti-Christian system imputed to me by those who know nothing of my opinions. Well, now we know. So perhaps, maybe, the next time somebody offers up the Jefferson Bible trope, you can say, do you know there's another narrative? Did you know that he was a member of a Bible society? Did you know that he sent Bibles? Did you know that this supposed Jefferson Bible was never titled that, but instead was actually distributed to thousands of congressmen and senators because it had the moral teachings of Jesus Christ? That's not going to convert a Dan Barker. But it's always good to get history straight, isn't it? This is Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles. Two believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org Bible. It's hard to admit, but if you're like me, sometimes you get a little bored with Christian TV. Do you wish there was something else, you know, something that could offer you real solutions for the struggles that you're having or maybe that your loved ones are facing? Well, look no further because I'm going to point you in the direction of our series Transformed. Season 2 is available right now at Transformed.org or at the Wretched store at Wretched.org. And Transformed is not your typical Christian program. It offers a unique perspective on biblical counseling, showcasing real people who have real issues that are seeking real solutions. It's hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University, and Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And together, they demonstrate the sufficiency of God's Word as they offer biblical solutions to those in need. So pick up Season 2 of Transformed again right now at transformed.org or at the Wretched Store at wretched.org. Typical radio commercials will have one big shebang, the opening line. Do we have your attention now? This particular commercial has eight. Have we got your attention now? MediShare, affordable biblical health sharing, will save the average family $500 per month. Second, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to typical health insurance. Double, that's that's times two if you weren't homeschooled. A massive network of providers to choose from. MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. They've been around for 25 years. $4 billion in healthcare bills have been shared. If you call them now, you will save on the joining fee. They're going to erase it. That's another $170. This is a limited time offer, which means make it snappy. Call one 844 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. 
Did I mention 844-34-BIBLE to get your MediShare quote in under two minutes? Attributes of God God is just. Since He is the standard of right and wrong, every judgment He makes is right and just. He rewards good and punishes evil. The good news for sinners is that the just God offers to justify you through the atoning work of Christ so that your sins are punished on the cross and Jesus' righteous deeds are accounted to you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hi, this is Wretched Radio. You might not be very excited to go back to school, detention or otherwise. Because what is happening on university campuses these days is downright terrifying. Let's visit a few, shall we? Boston College professor assigning students to make their own fursonas. Of course, we all know what that is these days. Human beings, students. They pretend they're an animal. They take on something that they think reflects who they are. And so this particular professor at Boston College said, Okay, kids, figure out what your persona is and come to my lecture. And 400 students showed up for Beast Literature class. I I didn't know there was such a specialty, but apparently there is. And the kids came in droves, dressed up as their own little fur babies. The professor, by the way, just in case you wondered what kind of a professor would instruct the kids to take on a persona. He's an alpaca persona himself because he believes alpacas, they share the same traits that he views are the best or most essential parts of himself, including friendliness, curiousness, gentleness, socialness, and shyness. Quote, I first met alpacas about 10 years ago and instantly felt a connection. He's a professor. He has his doctorate. And he's teaching beast literature and telling the kids to take on their own persona. Jimmy, if you had to attend this class, <laughs> what would I be? You'd want your money back for starters. <laughs> but what would your pers- persona be? My persona is sloth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go with a giraffe for myself, not for you. I'm giraffing okay. it myself. Okay. <laughs> would you like to hear the syllabus? You're going to anyway. This is at Boston College. From Mother Goose's fairy tales to Disney films and furies. Furries? Yeah, furries. We imagine non-human animals often speaking as humans do. But what are we saying when we use animals to talk with and about one another? And what does art and literature featuring articulate animals say about our attitude towards both human and non-human animals and the lines we draw between them? I have been wondering this my whole lifetime. Why didn't they have this class when I was going to school? And he bases this, by the way, he goes back into the classics to study the animals that we see in different pieces of heroic literature. The assignments for the Intro to Furries class include watching the documentary The Fandom, one of the discussion questions listed, after viewing, ask students to discuss furry spaces 
which the documentary depicts as more supportive and inclusive environments than those found in non-furry life and as a sort of utopia. The class schedule lists names for each week's lesson, including Sexy Beasts, Dog Saints, Sorry for this, Lambs of God, and then something about gender and control. This being taught at Boston University by a man who, by the way, mocks those who are critical of this nonsense and using pretty strong language uh, that begins with the letter F to do so. Hey, I'm educated. I know what I'm doing. I can't recall. Maybe several pundits have said this, but you have to go to university to get dumb. And you have to get your PhD to be really, really dumb because it's only on a, a, an enclosed culture that allows for this sort of nonsense to flourish. Hold on, let's go to Columbia. And if you're thinking, well, I can't go to Columbia because it's an Ivy League school and I never qualified. Alas, that isn't a problem anymore. Why? Because they're dropping the SAT and ACT tests as requirements for admission. I mean, why do we? You know, I've really thought this for decades. Why do we need to see how smart kids are to see if they can actually handle the class load and, you know, graduate as opposed to just get in debt and drop out? Why do we need such nonsense? The Ivy League school is permanently going test optional. The decision was rooted in the belief that students are dynamic, multifaceted individuals who cannot be defined by any single factor. Okay, maybe not any single factor. I guess that's debatable. But how's about at least considering their academic abilities as a factor? After all, it's an academic institution. On it, this is, you know, for the uh, swim team this year. We're very excited to announce you don't have to prove you can swim. Not a problem at all. Just put on whatever (laughs) bathing suit matches your identity and frolic around everybody because these tests for swimming prowess. (laughs) There's more to people than just their ability to swim. Texas Tech coach Mark Adams suspended for racially insensitive comment. What made his comment insensitive? He quoted the Bible. Now, in our culture, I think we can agree this may not have been the wisest word choice, uh, but it is the word choice the Bible uses. And for his troubles, he got suspended. According to the school, he was encouraging a player to be more receptive to coaching and referenced Bible verses about workers, teachers, parents, and slaves. Serving their masters. And because he quoted a Bible verse, I guess it could have been one of several. Could have been Colossians 3, I guess. Probably. It could have been 1 Peter 2, I'm thinking. He quoted the Bible. And he had to resign, or at least he's suspended, I should say, and apologized to the team when he found out the player was upset about the use of the Bible verse. Tick, 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 tick. It is just a matter of time before you can't quote anything in the Bible because it offends somebody. By the way, if you get the chance to tune in tomorrow, hold on while I hold my side laughing 
at the possibility of that actually happening. But we're going to talk about Peter Pan syndrome and how the upcoming generations, oh, they, they, they're definitely different. They are definitely different. And the last thing that we should be doing is mocking them. What good? How does that help anything? Furthermore, I got to tell you, I'm pretty certain, as spanky as I think my generation is, the one that preceded me probably looked down at my generation and went, hey, 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 they don't know nothing about war. They don't know anything about hard work. They don't know anything about sacrifice. So let's be careful about how we discuss these issues, but let's be aware that there is something different. And it sure does seem that it was at the introduction of social media access a la 2012, where we have seen a generation that is simply being affected in profound ways. Some of them good, actually. Some of them, I think we see when we align it not with our preferences or for the way that we were raised and grew up or what we accomplished by that age, but because of what the Bible says. Because it sure does seem that we've got a generation that could use some help. The problem is so many in the upcoming generation, it's the last thing they want. And the Bible has another word to speak. If you're young, and by the way, this should be an encouragement to those of you who are older, you know, like over 20. There are young people who are listening to Christian preaching and teaching TV shows. So if you happen to be one of them, I just heard from an 11-year-old asking how they can start evangelizing more boldly. Come on, that's encouraging, isn't it? But if you're of that age, reject the pressure of the world to shun adult wisdom. You want to be different. That is the battle cry of our current generation. They want to be different. You want to be different? Grow in wisdom. How do you get it? Download it from people who have been there and done that. And you will be different and you will do better as a rule. I think for two reasons. Number one, God promises blessing when you are obedient to parents, which should be your number one source of wisdom. And they're going to give you rules that in wisdom that just works. You'll be better off for it. Speaking of the university, the Biden administration seeks to rescind Trump-era rules about faith on campus. Uh-oh, this ain't good. The department, this is the Department of Education, proposes to rescind regulations because, well, we don't need to protect the First Amendment right to free speech and exercise of religion. Uh-oh. It means students, it, it, it has everything to do uh, with CRT, wokeness, and people not being judgmental or intolerant, unless, of course, you're progressive, then it's your right and duty to be judgmental and intolerant. But if you don't agree with their progressive worldview, then you will not be tolerated. University campuses, I'm telling you, Harvest Fields, white church. Let's get there while we still can. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.